This is IA Forward, your playbook for success as an independent insurance agent. We have to elevate ourselves to that same level and, and we're worth it. Here to help you knock it out of the ballpark are your hosts, Shane Tatum and Tanya Lead. On a recent trip to Texas, you used the phrase, if you give a pig a pancake, and your sister responded by saying, if you give a mouse a cookie. Tell me what that's all about. Well, it's two different children's books from the same series, and my girls were uh, Give a Pig a Pancake Kids. You know, it's a fun, fun book, very popular children's book. My girls loved it. They, you know, I want to read that book. There was several, several different books, and my job was to put the kids to bed, you know, do the baths, put them to bed when they were really little, and uh, we would end up reading this book, some book, and Give a Pig a Pancake won out a lot. And so as we've kind of gone through different life stages and and now I have this near empty nest experience going on, you think back on those life experiences and you think about, okay, how does this apply? I think about customers. I think about customer experience. And, you know, I think it goes something along the lines. If you give a pig a pancake, she's going to want to have some syrup to go with it. Then she's going to be sticky and she'll want to take a bath. And then she's going to want some bubbles. And so it's this constant one thing leads to the next thing to the next thing. If you think about that, there's a lot of business applications in that, especially around insurance agencies and customer experience and how we train our customers, how we establish our customer experience and our servicing models. I think a lot of that could be aligned with just this give a pig a pancake concept. What are you going to do if you're, this is one of your favorites, um, if if your standard is to answer your cell phone at 3 a.m. in the morning, what's the next thing from there? As a salesperson, as a producer, I was always taught no matter what you answer that phone. And it did get to a point with clients that I was putting clients ahead of everything else, ahead of sleep, ahead of family time, ahead of anything I really wanted to do because I had to be able to answer that phone. My concept of giving the best customer experience was to drop everything to make the customer happy. What do we think customer experience means today? That's sort of the spot that I'm at. I think about, let's turn that around. We, we always say one of our core values is make it personal. What do I want as a consumer? Well, I want stuff to work. I want the interaction to be seamless, right? I don't want to sign three different policy applications in three different e-signature envelopes for my auto and my home and my umbrella. That's messy. I want one electronic envelope, one set of signature processes. I really prefer to make one payment if I can. That's going to depend on the way that's set up. I think about simplicity. As a consumer, I've moved to simplicity, obviously over price, right? So I want you to be competitive. If I, um, I'll give up a little bit of that competitiveness if that helps me get a little more simplicity recently did that. I was with a carrier for a long time, my own insurance here, and I was forced to remarket it just due to some things that were going on within that carrier and had it remarketed and was put kind of piecemealed across a couple of different carriers and spent a year there. And it was a disaster. Like as a consumer, I went to our people 
And I'm like, are we actually selling this? Is this actually a process that we actually think people are comfortable with? I mean, I had one policy on a quarterly payment, one policy on a monthly EFT, one policy on an annual bill. I was like, this is a disaster. I think about things like that because my electric bill hits my recurring credit card and it just works, right? And I want that to happen for my insurance too, as a consumer. Because I'm, I'm taking off my, my agent hat here. And so I want things to be really simplified. That's going to make my experience great. That's my view. You and I have worked together, putting together a customer experience ideas. I always think back to the Roosevelt Hotel in New Orleans. And I love the customer experience that I get at the Roosevelt we stay there four or five times a year, but we can pull up in our vehicle and the gentleman opens the door and he says, welcome back, Miss Tanya. We're so glad to have you here. And he starts to unload my luggage and he always unloads my laptop last and he'll hand it to me because he knows that that's the cute bag that has my laptop in it. And so I'll go inside and, oh, you know, we have an upgrade for you. We know we have an extra suite available. There's no one in for the weekend. Would you like it? Because we're there enough that they know those things and and they know what we like for breakfast and so they'll send breakfast up in the morning and we don't ever have to ask for anything because it's taken care of or if you do have to ask for something it's done before you even ask to me that's the idea of a great customer experience and so what I try to create for customers here in the insurance world is the same thing talking about if you give a pig a pancake in other words if we give them something Thing A, then they're going to want something B. Well, if they want something B, then they're going to want something C. So why don't we just give them all of those things? If we give them the pancake, we give them the syrup, we give them the bath with the bubbles in it up front, I think that it makes servicing them so much easier on the back end. Well, I think that your pricing for the Roosevelt is different than your pricing at the Hampton Inn. That's absolutely true. I don't think that you're getting all of that attention at Hampton Inn pricing. And I I think it starts there with what are we fighting against and how are we obtaining that client in the beginning, which is back to the phrase training your customer. Are we training them to have this expectation of cheaper price, the word that you hate, cheap, or are we training them as risk advisors and in a way that we can give them those things, but those things cost money? Are they willing to pay for those things to obtain that customer experience? I think that part of this goes into, well, what are we competing against? Well, let's not forget the multi-billion dollar advertising campaigns that are going on with the direct channels that are trying to train the consumer way differently than we're trying to train the consumer. So we have this tug of war going on. 15 minutes will save you 15% has been set out there now for, you know, over a decade. And we've gone through so many different iterations with the lizard that has trained customers to always expect a better and better and better price from their insurance. Well, hard to deliver an incredible customer experience and compete on that same pricing mechanism, which is why I choose to completely run away from that pricing mechanism. I think we have to approach it with a completely different piece and we have to find those customers and train those customers coming in the front door to see us differently than the lizard or than the direct channel or a call center approach. 
If a customer calls and the first thing out of a customer's mouth is, my insurance has gone up X, what do you say? Is this an existing client? No, this is a new customer. This is someone that's calling in to get a quote, which is the word that we hate to use, but they're calling in to get a quote because their insurance has gone up X amount. What is your response as their agent? You know, I'll be happy to to look at it. I'll be happy to see where we are, where you are. I think there's a number of different things that could be causing that. First of all, are you happy where you are with your agent? Where are you? Is your cousin or your brother-in-law your agent? Because I need to know that up front, who I'm battling against, right? I don't want to go in there and just quote blindly. I don't want to bid your business. I definitely don't want to do that. I do not like quoting. I am on a lifetime mission to eliminate quoting from the independent agency model. And everybody can laugh out there if you want to, but that's my goal. Quoting makes zero dollars the last time I checked. Nobody pays for a quote. Maybe that's the answer. Maybe we should start charging for quoting. It's an interesting strategy. Yeah, yeah, you want a quote? We charge $50 for the quote. I'm just making that up. But it's a thing that we've gotten ourselves into because the competitive environment of the direct channel has said, you have to do this. You need to shop your insurance. I think there's an underlying approach there that says when somebody calls you at that, it's like, well, how did you hear about us? Where did you come from? How did we even get connected? So they're starting out the conversation about price and you have to shift that conversation away from what is this going to cost me? You have to. And if they're not willing to shift that conversation away from that, then you have to maintain that walkaway power. You're going to sell them a policy only to do this again in six months or 12 months? Who wants to do that? Nobody wants to do that. That doesn't make you money as an insurance agency. That doesn't create a great customer experience either. I think it's a shifting of the interaction from day one, from that first phone call or that first conversation. I think it is so much easier to create a fantastic customer experience for people in your circle, people that are like-minded. I think a lot of this goes back to knowing who you want your customer to be and creating the same kind of customer experience for them because they're like-minded. Finding those people at the dance school, finding those people at the ballpark, finding people that you are around every day. I think it's much better to try to create the customer experience for them based on how you want your customer experience to happen. It's a lot harder to try to create the perfect customer experience if your book is all over the board. What has happened is you've got these billion dollar war chest happening out there in the direct channel and and even the exclusive agent channel with with big brands and the independent agency system has to play a form of guerrilla warfare guerrilla marketing warfare right that's why what you're saying is the best angle in my view because there is nothing that advertising spin can do to wedge themselves into the relationships that you build within your circles they can't do it it becomes a conversation at dinner or a yeah did you see that commercial wasn't that funny but that's as far as it goes it doesn't get any further than that it can't penetrate the relationship circle, which is your point. And so to me, that is a form of guerrilla warfare from a marketing standpoint. That's what we have to do. So now we've got give a gorilla a banana. Give a gorilla a banana. There you go. I don't know what they're going to want after the banana, but 
maybe they're going to want a vine to swing from. I don't know. I don't know where that goes. But that's what you're talking about when we're talking about that circle. And I don't see that the big brands, the large spend, I don't see that that can penetrate that. I think that's extremely key. I think that's why independent agencies are small business owners and community members and they serve on all these different boards and nonprofits and they serve on school boards and they serve in chamber of commerce and they do all these things in the community. And that relationship structure becomes your defense mechanism against all that right? It allows you to put that customer experience thought into play. Because the British Lizard is not going to sponsor your kids' t-ball team. Right. They're not going to do that. I love your response to the question I asked a little while ago about the person calling in about their insurance because you started asking questions. I had a sales mentor a long time ago tell me that if I am talking more than 10% of the time, I'm going to lose the sale. You wanted to know, am I competing against your brother-in-law? Sure. I think that's fantastic. I think that's where our add-ons come in to create that high policy per customer ratio. I was in a one of our partner's offices one day, and he had a call that came in. And he began asking about, what does their day look like? And it was a mom that was talking about the carpool and picking up all the kids and taking them home from from baseball practice. And he said, well, you're going to definitely need an umbrella policy because if something happens when you have all those kids in the car, this is what could happen. So it wasn't that he was trying to figure out what kind of assets they had. He was actually having them recreate their day and then was able to sell them the product that they needed. And I thought that was absolutely brilliant. So Tanya, how am I going to do that when I've got all these leads that I've bought coming in and I've got to get back to these people with a quote in under 10 minutes or somebody else has already sold them? I mean, how how in the world am I supposed to have this conversation with the soccer mom or the baseball mom about their risk profile when all these leads are coming in that I got to respond to? How do I do that? Is your lifestyle business going to be created by a random person that gave out their information on the internet? So obviously I'm asking that sarcastically. And I think that we, you know, went down this path of, you know, the internet leads are the modern day yellow page ads. And I've been around long enough to see both. I know there's some other things out there where people are selling for a higher cost. You know, you can be the only one buying the lead. I would see that as a little bit different of a referral mechanism is if it's coming from a specific thing, you know, uh, you've, you've bought a, a Dave Ramsey territory or done something where it's a little warmer. It's not just this random lead. If you've spent this higher dollar figure on this referral center lead source and you're the only one getting it, well, don't you think you ought to slow down and have some conversations and let's talk about who you are and where you came from and who we are. And I think there's this connectivity, right? But the next thing that's going to pop up is, well, people are busy. People don't have time to have those conversations. I disagree. I think people are looking for conversation, and I think they're looking for that authenticity. I think that they've been trained to be crazily busy, and they're jumping from one thing to the next, and they got something that caused them to call you. Hopefully, it's because somebody referred you, but they really would be refreshed. 
right? Now, they may be in the middle of something. So ask, hey, is this a good time for us to go over some things? And they say, well, I'm, I'm in the grocery store. Well, okay. You know, if you can get it done, you, you may not have all these answers to my, to my questions. But I think, you know, are you by yourself? Are you in a shopping cart with four kids hanging off of it? Because there's a difference, right? Because you can be on a run to the grocery store for solitude, I've been in that boat before. And so if you're in a run to the grocery store for solitude, then it may be a great time to have a get-to-know-you conversation. <laughs> it just depends on the situation and what's going on. I think people are busy, but I think people are craving for conversation and relationship as well. I'm an appointment girl, but I never give people a chance to say no to the appointment. I'll say, hey, let's figure out a good time for you. Would Tuesday at 10 a.m. or Wednesday at 2 p.m. be better? I always make that assumption when I'm setting those appointments up. And I think that's made a huge difference for my sales over the years. There isn't everything we're talking about here based on letting people know through that first interaction or those first few interactions that you're a little different, that you're going to be a little more relationship based. And I believe that actually triggers the prospect to know if they're in the right place. You know, kind of back to your point earlier of, do you want to build your book of business around customers that are having their information sold across 10 various agencies because they entered it blindly on some shopping website for insurance? Is that your customer? Are they going to do that again six months, 12 months down the road on a 2% rate increase? Those are training mechanisms that are built in and you're training your customer without training your customer. I think that's a big thing here. To what you're saying is, you know, even when you say from an appointment setting standpoint, you give them this option or that option, well, you're training them that, oh, okay, this is this is a little more structured than the last 42 people I've talked to. And hmm, this is interesting. And so I think if we try to elevate ourselves, like I think many are doing, there's many agents out there that are doing this. I think there's a lot that are not. We have to elevate ourselves to that same level and, and we're worth it of legal attorney, CPA. There's a level of folks that we want to have in our peer group in my training of my customers. I think that is something that we take for granted, that we don't think about enough. Um, What peer group are we in uh, when it comes to our customers and how do they think of us? And I think that's where that training your customer piece comes into play. Well, we know that perception is reality. So how we are presenting ourselves, do we want to be equal to the funny British lizard? Or do we want to laugh at the British lizard and say, this is what I do? I don't even want people to perceive that what I do is the same thing. Going back to give a pig a pancake, I want to give my customers the pancake and the bubble bath and all of those things up front because then they're not going to go anywhere else. I have a, a similar hotel hospitality story that blew my mind. Ours was the Four Seasons and this particular Four Seasons was in Austin, Texas. I didn't know anything. We were in our mid-20s and we had zero life experiences. We were attending a conference and happened to have an opportunity to stay in the Four Seasons, not on our dollar, but on somebody else's dollar. And so because at 25, there was no way we were affording that. My first experience there, same kind of thing. You know, I pull up, there's this really weird interaction, weird to me, not to them, where they they asked a couple of questions, right? And back to asking questions, you know, we're getting out of our vehicle and the, I guess the valet is, is taking information and asking asking a couple of questions and the questions must have somewhere around there, our name must have come up, 
I don't remember when it came up, but it had to have come up because I have no other explanation for this. Because when we went in to check in at the front desk, the front desk said, well, hello, Mr. Tatum. Happy to have you. Now, I didn't remember giving my name to anyone. I don't know if they ran my plates. I don't know how they did it to this day. And it still blows my mind and it gets better. So we are walking to our room. They took our bags. And so Julie and I are up the elevator, are heading down the hallway to our room. And here comes a, had to have been a late teenager, 20-year-old, that is walking down the hall. As he approaches us, this young man goes, Mr. Tatum, Mrs. Tatum, I have no idea. I absolutely have no idea. But that happened 24 years ago. And I still remember it to this day extremely vividly. And if my wife has an opportunity to stay in a Four Seasons, she is staying in a Four Seasons. I don't care what part of the planet we're on, where we're at. If she has that opportunity, she's doing it. It blew our minds. So it can be done. We can train. I don't know how they did it. I'm sure you know how they did it. That experience was mind-boggling to me. And no, I don't know how they did it. But I was, I was sitting here going, can I Google that? How do I Google that? I don't know. It was absolutely amazing. And I remember <laughs> it. I'm going to remember it for the rest of my life. I think that's how powerful our experiences can be. I don't think we put enough thought into that because we're too busy. We're too busy worried about selling policies. Uh, we need to be obtaining clients, full-time clients. And we don't need to be in the selling policy business. Two-minute warning. What's our takeaway from today? We have to do things different. We have to be a David in a Goliath world. We have to think about our approaches to how we market ourselves and how we introduce customers to our agencies and our book of business based on balance, based on future servicing load, based on creating the best customer experience. And that happens coming in the front door. Uh, You can't necessarily fix that or you can fix it, but it's harder to fix it down the line. It's harder to fix that customer experience after you've trained that customer one way. Now you've got to create a whole different structure to train them in a different way. And so my takeaway is that we think about this coming in the front door. We think about how we do things up front, not on the backside. I'm going to leave us today with a quote from Stephen Curry. Don't sell yourself short. You are more capable than you think. Never stop dreaming and striving. That's awesome. Attitude's a choice. Make a great one. Bye y'all. Ready to get the ball rolling with your independent agency? Learn more at IntegraAgent.com. That's IntegraAgent.com.